You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Get used to the mantra all gas, no break. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Just podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter. We're joined by special guest today, Stephen Ruiz, at the Stephen Ruiz on Twitter. You can catch him um, running for the win.com and as well as uh, his podcast, The Counter, with Charles McDonald's, who we had on uh, earlier, in, uh, earlier in the year. So exciting stuff. Stephen, how's everything going? It's good. It's the busy time of the year. It's the exciting time of the year for every NFL fan. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, especially exciting for Jets fans. I make this joke pretty much with everybody that comes on, but it's almost like the Jets Super Bowl just because the last decade or so, uh, you know, free agency specifically has been a big highlight. But I want to start off a little bit with the hottest topic in, honestly, quite frankly, it kind of controls the whole offseason is what the Jets do with two or what they do um, in the trade market. So um, I want to get into a little bit of just Wilson and Fields um, to start, and then we'll talk a little to Sean. But from a from a Justin Fields perspective, um, what what do you like? What do you not like? And then, um, kind of, how do you compare him with Zach Wilson as a whole? There's a lot to like about Fields. I think the one thing that I don't like is maybe there's not one elite thing you can really point to and say he's the best in the class at this, and that gives you a concern when you're drafting a quarterback in the top five. You want a stud. You want a guy like Trevor Lawrence where you can point to him and say he does this the best he's the best thrower of the football in in the class and I don't know if you could say that about anything regarding Fields' game maybe his toughness in the pocket I do think that's one of his biggest traits for me that's why I I I have him at QB2 right now but that would be my concern is I don't really see him ever becoming an elite type quarterback I kind of likened him a little bit to Dak um, I think that maybe maybe that's lazy for my part, but I think he's somebody that's very athletic and sometimes kind of slept on athletically um, and has a good thrower of the football, smart, tough, but I don't, I see fields more being like his an eight to 10, maybe seven to 10, hot t- seven to 10 is kind of the top 10 QB rankings, like going forward as opposed to, I feel like Wilson, at least in my opinion, and you can talk a little bit more about this, but I feel like he's going to be a guy that's in two years where like, wow, they just drafted, uh, similar Rodgers Mahomes guy or he's even a worse version of what they have of Sam last year yeah that's my big concern with Zach Wilson I don't have any real strong takes on him other than like he's just an impossible evaluation like how I don't know how anyone can be confident in him being one of those top guys because I don't think he has the Mahomes Rodgers arm strength I think aesthetically it makes like he likes to throw on the run. He throws a lot of those off platform throws. And I think that makes his arm look a little stronger than it actually is. I've never seen it in a tight pocket. Well, he didn't have a lot of tight pockets to work from in in that offense. 
against that competition. But until I see that, it's hard for me to be confident using the number two overall pick on a guy where we don't even know what he's going to, how he's going to operate in an NFL pocket. I don't know. I, I just wouldn't be confident doing that. Something that I brought up last year uh, with Tua that was a concern for me was that guys with serious injuries from the quarterback position pre-NFL, usually it's kind of my rule of thumb. And if I'm being consistent, I was really worried with Tua. He's had, he had five major surgeries and the hip was a huge issue. Even in 2020, 2021 medicine, it is a scary thing, right? And a torn labrum, I've had a lot of friends that have torn labrums and played with them. And they say they never get the full strength back in their shoulder. Um, that to me, at least personally, scares me a little bit with Wilson, just a throwing shoulder and a torn labrum at 20, 19 years, 18, 19 mm -hmm. years old is a little scary. I'm not saying it couldn't work perfectly. And guys, you know, sometimes you usually don't get healthier as you get older. Um, that's just my rule of thumb. But do you think it's fair uh, from a competition perspective that people kind of gloss over a little bit with Wilson, but with Trey Lance, they feel like that's a huge outlier? Do you think that's normal or you think that's just because it's the one double a versus one a competition i do think it's normal i don't know if it's fair like when i watch trey lance i'm not seeing it's it's like not obvious that his team is that much better even though north dakota state's just a, a powerhouse at that level but he's still being forced to do nfl style things whereas when i watch zach wilson He's not really put in adverse situations that often. And that's why it's hard for me to really see him as a sure thing when I'm projecting him. It's just such a question mark. Because until I see him consistently in a tight pocket, like you can look at the Coastal Carolina game, and even that game, I don't think it was NFL-style adversity that he was facing. It wasn't NFL-style pockets. So I, I just don't know. I just can't say say that I see what he could be at the next level with him. Whereas Trey Lance, North Dakota style of offense, they do run a lot of pro concepts. So you are getting to see reps that will translate to the next level. Yeah, I think there's also like as much as Wentz has been disappointing the last, I mean, I thought he was really years <laughs> ago and obviously last year was a disaster. And as much as I give, everyone gives Sam a lot of crap, like Wentz was, awful I mean led the league in picks and didn't play all 16 games but um I do think there's a track record of guys that could come in from North Dakota State and and be successful um if we really want to go back to Steve Young sure you can do that but like with Zach Wilson but I just don't that's my only concern is like it's the one year of a lot of hype and it's feels like the takes get stronger and stronger every single day which is natural obviously in draft season you know as well as I do but I don't know. He went from a guy that was like, oh, maybe he's the sneaky get to. Now it's like he's going, he could go one. Teams want him more than like, I, I'm a little scared with that, to be honest. I feel like there's a lot of Trevor Lawrence hate recently that's like, yeah. no reason. And I think the big difference between him and Burrow, and I wasn't super high on Burrow. Like, I thought Burrow was the clear QB number one last season, but I wasn't like, oh, this is a once in a generation prospect. Like, you know, like PFF was kind of high on him. But the one difference between these two guys is Zach Wilson is being sold as this, like you, like a mini Mahomes almost, like this great physical talent, this great throw of the football. If that was the case, why didn't he stand out last year in BYU? Because that's not something that just clicks overnight. Whereas with Joe Burrow, he transferred, he got in a new offense system. Like he won with his mind because he was such a smart quarterback. And that's something that can, that can be flipped overnight like in an off season you could take that next mental step but I don't think your arm's going to get that much better from your uh 
sophomore year to your junior year. And why didn't we, why weren't we this hyped about Zach Wilson last year? Cause we didn't see, we weren't seeing him play in this just optimal situation for quarterbacks. And I think that has inflated his production and it has inflated his perception around the league. Um, well, the last thing I, I will cover here with some of the draft guys, who do you think this is an argument on Jets Twitter that hopefully will end the second draft night, you know, draft night happens, but Wilson and Fields both, it's who would fit better in that Shanahan system. The easy, the easy answer it seems like would be Wilson, but I've seen a lot of people argue actually Fields may be a better fit just from a lot of the things he can do. Um, do you think one fits this system better than the other? Are they both kind of ideal fits from that perspective? I mean, I think every quarterback is fit in this offense, as we've seen, like so many different types of quarterbacks have had success in it. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is nothing like Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub is nothing like RG3. RG3 is nothing like Matt Ryan. So I don't think there's like one archetype that fits in this offense. And I get that uh, Zach Wilson looks more fluid as a thrower, especially on the move than Fields does. But I've, I feel like these offenses don't run that out fake outside zone bootleg play action pass as much as we we like to think they do. They run it like if you look up the stats, the charting stats, they run it like 35 times a season, 50 times a season. And if you're drafting your franchise quarterback based on 50 plays a season, I don't think that makes sense. So for me, just give me the best throw of the football because a lot of the mental work the system does for you with the Shanahan style offense. So just give me the better physical thrower, the better athlete. And I think that's fields. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's something that I get in the, the whole Wilson hype. My big take on Wilson's like, I, I'm, I've said this before, I'm a big Sam guy, but I'm also realistic with there's very, very little to no chance at this point he's staying. Um, I'm, I'm okay and willing to accept that. But he, a lot of the things that he does really well, the, the throws on the remove, the flash plays where you're like, wow, this guy is literally an incredible football player. And then there are times, obviously, there's a lot of mental stuff and just bad footwork and things, right? But if you're going to get so excited about a Zach Wilson pro day throw rolling out to the left with no defense and, and shorts, we also have to remember like Sam's pro day was in the rain and it was like, Oh my God, this guy's going to be the next. So right. a little bit of consistency, I guess gets lost in draft season. The one thing I would say is I think Zach Wilson needs this offense more than the offense needs Zach Wilson. If that makes sense. I think this, that type of offense is how you get the most out of Zach Wilson. I'm not sure if Zach Wilson is the, is how you get the most out of this scheme. That's, that, that's, that's, that's totally fair, but, um, and kind of shifting to another quarterback, obviously we talk about this a lot and it's, is Deshaun Watson and, um, you know, and, and obviously the, the wrench that could change everything is if Russell Wilson actually does get moved, which I don't see happening, but if he does all of a sudden the Jets now have the two most valuable picks, they've got Seattle, they would have Seattle's number one pick next year, obviously. Um, A, do you see Deshaun getting moved and B, how much, would you be willing to pay to have Deshaun as a quarterback? Well, do just specifically, but in general, obviously as well. Uh, I I think he's going to get traded. I don't see how this gets resolved. He's already said like firing Jack Easterby's not going to get it resolved. It's got to be a change of ownership, which we know is not going to happen. And he has plenty of money. I think he has the support of even Texans fans if he sits out. So he's not going to be painted as a bad guy in the situation. Everyone is like anti-Texans right now anti-Easterby and anti-McNair. So I, I don't see how this gets resolved in the Texans to keep them. And if I'm the Jets, man, uh, it's hard to put a price on him because I think he is 
the second bet, most valuable piece in the league right now behind Mahomes. And I'm not even sure the gap between Mahomes and Watson is that wide. Imagine flipping those two situations, like put Deshaun Watson in that Chiefs offense with Andy Reid. I think he's put, he already put up the same, same numbers that Mahomes did last year in a terrible situation. So I'd be willing to trade anything. I just think he elevates your entire offense. Then you don't have to worry about signing all these great receivers. You don't have to worry about having a great offensive line. The coaching staff could do more things. They can expand that scheme even more. I think you could see like a, a 2016 Falcons type scheme. That was like the, I think that was the optimized Shanahan offense. And I think that's what you would see with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. So I'd be willing to trade any amount of first round picks. Look at the Chiefs. They haven't squandered their first round picks in their salary cap in recent years. They traded for, uh, now I'm forgetting his name, Frank Clark, bad, bad trade. They gave up a first round pick, signed him to a big contract. He's been terrible for two years. Hasn't mattered. They drafted a running back in the first round who didn't really contribute all that much last year. Didn't matter. They made it to the Super Bowl. When you have a quarterback like this, you can give away those first round picks. It just doesn't matter. It increases the front office margin for error. And I think any front office needs that in the Jets. They have an unproven GM. He's, he's looked good so far, but I think that gives Joe Douglas what he needs. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you in, in a lot of senses of what you kind of laid out there. But you look at the Rams, and the Rams are winning playoff games every year. They won a road playoff game with John Warford and, and half of Jared Goff's hand. You know, and, and they beat a top-five quarterback-level player and a Hall of Fame coach. So it's not like these these guys are so important. And if the Jets really did hit on Salah, which I think they – I'm hoping they not only hoping they did, but I also think that he's the mature guy in the room. Him and Douglas are just like, they're not this, they're not either superstar hires and they're just their football guys and people really respect them. And I think from Deshaun's perspective, I mean, Chad Hansen, we covered this, I covered this with Joe a couple episodes ago. Chad Hansen had a 100 yard game last year and the Jets took him and he was like, this guy's never going to play a snappy NFL. And the Texans lost a lot of one possession games. The defense, even with the big names, wasn't very good. Um, I, I just, it's really hard for me to sit there and tell people, like, think, oh, if Deshaun Watson, the Jets, they're not better. Like, they're significantly a better team. And it's not the same situation. Like, I just think people keep using this, oh, the Texans were 4-12, and Deshaun's not good. Like, he's the most accurate passer in the history of the NFL through his first four seasons. And that and that was a competitive 4-12. and They were in every game. Like, I've seen people say, oh, it's garbage time. Like, go, which game was garbage time? I know they got blue. Like, they got Remember the Titans game? Like, that was just horrible coaching. And, like, the Titans right. were really good. But it wasn't like Deshaun was bad. Like, that's a game to watch if you want to if you want to believe in Deshaun Watson. You see Deshaun Watson just doing everything in his power to make that game competitive. And then you see a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who's good, but he's not a guy like Deshaun Watson. And it's just so much easier for him. I'd rather have that other quarterback. Yeah, no, and, and one thing you brought up before, too, about, like, the Falcons, 2016 Falcons and Garoppolo and guys like that and Chubb, like, Deshaun's obviously a superior athlete and arguably a superior throw of the football other than Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan won an MVP. And it's one of the better quarterback seasons I've ever seen. Yes, they had a lot of weapons, but, I, man, if you put Deshaun in that offense and even his ability to move and create outside of the pocket – in addition to that scheme and you put some talent around him that's pretty scary and he's already put up insane numbers in a bad situation bad coaching the upper management is just really difficult to stop like, <laughs> like a hybrid of the 2012 Washington team with RG3 that rookie year Kyle Shanahan was the offense coordinator for that team and the 2016 Falcons like what does that look like it's 
Yeah. Amazing. Right. No, it's literally. It's. I, I. I think the Jets. I don't know that they'll do it. I, I can't say for certain that Douglas has talked a lot about going through the draft. But if you really think about it, I, I was. This was put to me. Um, you know, by by somebody a couple of days ago, I was like, okay, you trade two ones and two twos, right? You just trade your first two each, whatever. Would you rather have like Jason Morrow and Calvin Pryor and Darren Lee and all these guys, or just have Deshaun Watson? And it's like, there's no guarantee you hit on these guys. The Jets have three top 34 picks. They'll probably have a fourth, early second rounder with Sam, maybe New Orleans or someone gets aggressive at the end. But you have four top 50 picks. Maybe if you hit on all four of them, great. But the numbers aren't saying you're going to. And Deshaun, you know, is a 25 year old stud. He's a good dude. Like, there, there's just too many reasons to not. Be excited about that. Yeah, I think the only people that are against the Deshaun Watson trade haven't actually watched him play. If you watch him play, like I'm telling you, he is he is like just mind wide. Like, forget about his athleticism. He is like Drew Brees, basically in terms of processing, and he's way ahead of Drew Brees' curve. Drew Brees at 25 did not look like Deshaun Watson looks like right now. No, trust me, it's I totally agree with you, and I think. I could be the biggest Sam defender of all time or not. It doesn't matter. You like Sam or you don't, or you like Fields or Wilson. There's no arguing that Deshaun is, in my opinion, a top three, top four quarterback already. And that's like, I have him right behind Rodgers and Mahomes and a little ahead of Wilson. Um, obviously, it's fluid and, and whatnot. But at this end of the day, like, I'm be more than okay. You could be the biggest Sam fan in the world, and you'd be more than okay with saying, we got Deshaun Watson. I, I get it. It's hard. It, Obviously, the other arguments are different, but I mean, the Jets having Deshaun Watson at 20, again, 25. If the people keep blowing up this cat number, the Texans paid 30 million of that as a signing bonus. And on top of that, like, I think his base this year, like 10 2, like, Taysom Hill is getting paid more this year. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous. Um, but speaking of some of the, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about weapons. Um, who are some guys, A, you think the Jets should target? And then also, some people that are more maybe a few guys that may be more realistic, you know, aside from Megan Allen or Robinson or something like that, like a Sherman, people like that, who do you kind of see as both the dream and then who are some more realistic targets as well? I wouldn't even go after an Allen Robinson type. I still have confidence in Mims being becoming that type of player. And then I think you have some redundancies there. If you do spend big money on Robinson, like I'd rather see them go after like a Curtis Samuel type who I think would fit well in that scheme because I, I think you, it, there is a good use of like a jet motion type of guy that opens up things like the 49ers had Debo Samuel, who also lined up in the backfield and took handoffs. That's Curtis Samuel. And Curtis Samuel is way more than a gadget guy. He could do that stuff. So he kind of gets typecast, but he's a route runner. Like you look at the Panthers splits on third down. They had Robbie Anderson, a, a guy you guys are familiar with. They had DJ Moore, who's been one of the better uh, receivers through two years of his career. Curtis Samuels had the most targets on third down. He had the most targets in the red zone. He was their best receiver on third down and their best receiver in the red zone. Like he's a possession type receiver, can also threaten defenses deep. He can track the ball well deep. He, he has good hands. He can do all that gimmicky stuff. I think he's a perfect signing for this offense in particular. And I think any team that gets him is going to be happy with him because he's not going to cost too much money. I was going to say, what do you, I, I think, in my opinion, I think he's somebody that, especially age wise too, I think him and Juju should be the guys the Jets target the most. Um, I, I'm not here for any juju slander. I think it's <laughs> – you watched the Steelers closely last year. Not only – I don't think Big Ben was very good. And I think he didn't – they didn't stretch the field as much as they could have. Um, people forget, like, 
nine touchdowns as a receiver, as a slot guy, mostly primarily last year, is is impressive. And like Juju's 24. I think Chris Samuel's turning 25. They're both guys that are entering their receiver prime. And in a Shanahan type offense, as we've mentioned, and with whatever happens at quarterback, Wilson, Fields, Watson, whoever, those guys should have both big years if, and shouldn't cost as much as an Allen Robinson, maybe at an 18 or $20 million a year range. Yeah, and I don't think you need a perimeter receiver necessarily. If you, like what the Jets have right now, I think you need a guy that you could trust to get open short on third downs when you've got to have a seven-yard gain. I think you need a guy that can do that. I Yeah, I think Juju – I'm not the biggest fan of Juju. I think he does have his weaknesses, but in a Shanahan type offense, I think that's how you get the most out of him because he does, his one issue is getting off of press and being press coverage and separating. I think the offense does the work for the receiver. And once you get the ball in his hands and get him in the open field, I think he becomes a great player. And there's another part of the offense that I think is important. I think I'd like to kind of get your insight on, but Obviously, Chris Hernan's and I, I have no idea what you're going to get week to week, play to play with Chris Hernan. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I played receiver and tight end my whole life, and I got to go through patches, but like there was just like it felt like he just couldn't get out of the funk. And even when he started to play well at the end of the year, it was still like he was one play away from fumbling a big play and it's all over. What do you do at tight end? Do you think they target somebody like a Johnny Smith or Gerald Everett, or do you think they try to go more of the We'll draft a guy and try to groom him, a la George Kittle. It's so tough because you look at George Kittle and you're like, oh, yeah, we need a guy like that. But a guy like that doesn't exist. Like, there's no, that's not easy to draft. There's no other tight end who can stretch the field and can run after the catch and can block like an offensive tackle. Like, that just doesn't exist. So it's hard to know what they're looking for in a tight end. Uh, like, I – the dream scenario would be that Sam Darnold was the answer and that you could trade back a little bit and then draft Kyle Pitts, who I think is a truly special player. Like I would make the argument that he might be the best football player in this class if you just ignore position, positional value. But that's probably not going to happen. So, yeah, I think the free agency route is better just because you've seen that guy in the NFL offense, whereas tight ends don't get featured in the college offense, so it's kind of harder to scout them. That's why better tight ends usually get taken on day two, day three. So, yeah, I would go free agency with that. Johnny Smith is a guy that I think is intriguing just because of his run-after-the-catch ability. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Oh, I almost, I almost forgot to ask you, but I know you kind of had a big, you had some Twitter interaction with this. What are your opinions on Corey Davis? And do you think he's somebody that A, either the Jets should sign, or B, do you think it's been overlooked? I don't know if he fits with the Jets necessarily, although actually he might because if they do use the, if they use these condensed formations that we've seen out of these McVay and Shanahan style offenses, I think that's what he's best at. He's best when he's close to the the formation, the line, uh, the offensive line. He could be used as a blocker in the run game. He is an active blocker, a willing blocker, strong as hell. He he's got good speed. He can run those deep over routes that these teams like to uh, throw off play action. I really think he's underrated. Like, I would rather have him than anyone not named Allen Robinson if we're just signing wide receivers in a vacuum, vacuum, regardless of scheme. I think he's going to be cheap, cheaper than maybe Kenny Galladay, who I don't think is as good of a player. I think he might be around. uh, He's definitely going to be cheaper than Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's a better receiver, but if you're looking at value and it's a salary cap leak, so you should be looking at value, I'd rather have Corey Davis. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that people kind of forget, like, guys that get picked in the top five, and if they don't – he didn't boom the way people maybe expected him to. If you watch, I feel like he's gotten better every year. He came from a small school, and sometimes guys just take a while to adjust. I feel like we we forget that, you know, there you can have patience. Guys take a while. Like, there's a reason it, people used to not play freshman year of college or sophomore year, and you grow and you get better with reps and, like – you move on the NFL guys, quarterbacks used to sit rookie receivers and used to be great year one. I think there's an adjustment period. A lot of these positions like receiver safety where, you know, I think Ashton Davis, I know kind of tangent here, but Ashton Davis is somebody that, you know, is a great, is a freak athlete, especially at that, you know, you know, you don't win the Pac-12 in 110 year hurdles and like, you're not a good athlete. Right. Oh, um, I think there's certain positions where your eyes have to change and you have to be able to get up to speed with the NFL game and, Corey Davis feels like he's gotten better every year and somebody that he's going to get underpaid. I think Curtis Samuel, who you mentioned, is going to get underpaid. I think Juju, I think Allen Robinson might be the only receiver that gets either him and Godwin might get either technical market value in a normal year. Um, but I just don't know that the Jets can afford to, I mean, they can afford to pay him Amari Cooper money, but I don't know that after just drafting Mims, like you mentioned, it's really the best use of money when you're right. on and your corner stink. <laughs> Right. You're like giving up on, I, I feel like you're giving up on this after one year, which I mean, I liked what he, he showed when he did play. I know he dealt with injuries. I liked him in college. So, and I think he's a similar type of player. Like I just don't understand having two, two of those types of players. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I, I just, and also like you have a guy in a, a rookie deal in his second year of his rookie deal. And like, if he booms the way, like, he's a guy that, you know, he could take a huge step this year. You don't – I've pulled my hamstring before. I don't know if you have, but I've pulling both hamstrings in the course of eight weeks <laughs> right. being a rookie without training camp, like, still was really impressive in a lot of the stuff he did. Um, who is maybe a guy, um, either a rookie from last year or somebody on the Jets you see kind of taking a, a much bigger leap under a much more effective coaching staff, let's say? I think Ashton Davis is a guy that that would because this type of defense and I think there's some misconceptions about what solid runs because you know he gets compared to the Seattle guys and the Seattle guy he was a Seattle guy but 
it's the single high, but they, the 49ers played a lot of two high coverages last year. And I think that's where Ashton Davis would be at his best is kind of cutting off crossers, uh, not having to just man the deep middle on his own, which I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, what the back end of that defense is going to look like with such a dramatically different scheme coming in. But I think that's how you get the most out of him. I mean, the easy answer is obviously Makai Becton, who was just a monster in year one, and now he's getting put in this offensive scheme where they're going to put him on the move and he's going to be out on the edge blocking defensive backs and just driving them to the depths of hell. But those would be my two picks. I think those two guys – and. Denzel Mims, like, I, I think he's a good, good player. I think he's a great prospect. And I think having an actual offseason and hopefully no injuries, knock on wood, I think he's going to break out. I love the Jets draft last last year, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't disagree. I, I don't, the only couple of picks I didn't like were people that were either not schematically, like, put in good positions or – I didn't love the Morgan pick and I didn't love taking a punter. Oh, yeah. We need starters. And I, I don't care. Just Twitter loves brain man. And that's great. And he, one day he'll make a tackle like he did against the Rams. That'll save a game, but wasn't even that great of a punter. And uh, <laughs> it's like, felt like the Mike Nugent pick in 2005 or whatever that was like, cool. He's good at his job, but it's probably the, one of the least important jobs in your team. But no, I, I think those guys, and I think people like just are sleeping on the fact that, the whole defense, like CJ Mosley, if he comes back even somewhat similar to what he was 2017, 2018, if you watch Fred Warner play football or if you watch Bobby Wagner and you just like, all you do is, and KJ Wright, you just like watch them for 10 plays on YouTube. Like CJ Mosley is a similar type of player. He was an all pro level player. And like, as much as he might be overpaid, you're stuck with him and you should be happy to watch a really athletic guy be able to run, you know, play and everywhere on the field so that's a guy I'm really excited about. and I wouldn't discount the value of sitting out a year especially for a guy that was coming off an injury I think that's that's probably going to do wonders for his body I think he might be as good of a player as he was in Baltimore this year yeah the first half against Buffalo is one of the biggest teases I've ever seen <laughs> at that game and it's like I'm watching him run like literally run step for step with John Brown over the middle and then blow up the run and then blow up Josh Allen and then it's like I was like this is nuts this feels was like that the game was that the game he got injured or was it yeah, that was the game he got injured he really was running a deep seam route pass breakup on one of the fastest slurks he was in the NFL and then like I don't really know what the injury was it's kind of hard to tell there's never really stuff leaked but he's somebody that I just think he's the, he's probably the best player on their roster when he if he's healthy right I mean I, I don't know we're another guy I was going to ask you guys a what are you doing? What do you do with Marcus May? Do you just try to tag him and hope it works out, or do you try to assign him to a long-term deal? It's always hard with safeties. They're so I think their performance is so up and down just because it's based on scheme and like what's being called and what the, the cornerbacks are doing. But I really like Marcus May. Like I watched him. I thought I honestly think he he's just as good as Justin Simmons, who just got franchise tagged. So I would sign him to a long-term deal. I think that would be less expensive than just tagging him. I don't. I really don't understand. If you're not willing to sign someone to a long-term deal, I really don't understand franchise tagging them. So if I'm the Jets, I would just focus on that. It'd probably be cheaper, at least in the short term. I really like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a, a good guy to have in the locker room. You have a, a new head coach. You have a relatively young defense. I, 
I wouldn't let a player like that. You don't let good players. You don't get better letting good players walk out of the locker room. And I think you could say he's a good player. Yeah, I agree. And also, the Jets just never get these guys to go to second contracts, and I think that's a huge problem. And I think people, you can you can use the Jamal Adams thing, and you can spin it like, look, we got great value for him. He didn't want to be here, and all that stuff. But eventually, if you never, none of your good players get to a second contract, it's really difficult as a free agent or somebody that's in the draft and. It's just hard to convince these guys eventually after the same story over and over again, right? And, like, Marcus May is a good player. He won team MVP. And, yes, I know he's going to his age 28 season, whatever. But schematically, if he ages well, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's like this. He's never going to be like, I need to be super fast. Like, he's a smart player. He's been able to play in the box. He can. I, I just – I don't see the reasoning to not bring him back. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get it. Unless it, the number gets crazy, which in this market doesn't seem like it will. Yeah, I agree with you. I think his game's going to age fine. I'm not worried about the advanced age, like him being one or two years older. I mean, how often do we see these contracts actually get played out to like the fourth or fifth year? So he might be gone by that time he's 31 anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I would front load that deal as much as I could because while you have the cap space to do so, and then, you know, whatever. But uh, the other, the only other thing I, was, I wanted to kind of touch on with you, but obviously the AFC's quarterback situation as a whole – is very, you know, very up in the air at the Jets. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if, what you're kind of opinion on with what happens in New England and Miami. Obviously, Buffalo's set, but um, how do you kind of see the quarterback situation playing out? We kind of talked with the Jets, but from a Dolphins and, um, you know, and pass perspective, do you see Cam and Tua being the day one starters, or do you think they either team makes a splash? Uh, that's so hard to say. I don't know how the Dolphins feel about Tua. I know what I would do if I was the Dolphins. If I was the Dolphins, I'd do everything in my power to make sure Deshaun's starting day one. But I could see Cam returning to Carolina. I think the team is higher on Cam than a lot of the fans were and a lot of media were. Like, if you watch their tape, it was just an impossible situation for any quarterback. And Cam has talked about how not having an offseason in that offense in particular and then dealing with COVID during the season really derailed his, his time last year. So I think another offseason in that offense, you give him some weapons. I think the Patriots would be right back to being a playoff contender. They're not going to be a Super Bowl contender, but they're getting all those guys on defense opting back in. My, I don't know what to say about two. Just trade for Deshaun Watson already. Like That makes the most sense for both parties. If I was Deshaun, I'd want to go to Miami. If I'm Miami... Like, I don't know how you don't – how you watch Tua and think this is a guy that's going to develop into an elite quarterback that can carry us for a decade. Until you find that guy, I think you should always be looking for that guy. Yeah, no, I agree. I, from a New England perspective, I think there's this talk, oh, they're going to make a splash, they're going to make a splash. But I, I don't – unless Dak hits the market, which would be ridiculous, obviously, I don't see reason to not either try to draft somebody and take a shot on maybe – you draft Mac Jones if he gets to 15 and then you bring back Cam. And if Cam booms, that's great. And you kind of have a Jimmy G situation a couple of years ago where like you can groom him and like Mac Jones is like once the roster's progressed and if Cam does well, Cam's there and it's great. Right. And like, I heard him talk, he was on I am athlete and I'm sure you watched that as well, but yeah. I thought it was, first of all, I really enjoyed that interview. If you haven't watched it, just shamelessly plug that. That was really interesting stuff, but can't even talk about it. Like the offense, it keeps going and to get COVID and things like that, it did, it did crush him a little bit. I'm not high into it all. I was really high on Herbert. I knew Burrow was really good. He obviously the best, one of the, these last two years, LSU and Bama, probably the two best college offenses ever. I don't know, two, two is tough for me. It's like, 
He's had major injuries. All those guys that he played with all keep saying Mac Jones is better. And there's no reason they could have easily taken the political answer of saying they're both great, really enjoyed playing with both. But like Devontae Smith did win a Heisman with him. And I get him saying it, but then Jalen Waddle also following up and quick, boom, I think Mac Jones is better is not like the best thing. Guys don't come out and defend their guys. It's like a little concerning. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about two is I think those guys did get fed more by Mac Jones, so maybe they're just more likely to say it. Uh, but Tua, it's, I, this is how I view Tua. He's a fine quarterback on a rookie contract, but he's not a guy I would want to give a second contract where I have to pay him $25 million a year. So if that's the goal, if like that's the plan with him, like just, you know, hope he's good enough on a rookie contract where he's giving you surplus value, then that's fine. But still, go find a quarterback because your defense is good right now, and we've seen – all across the league, defensive success does not last for very long. You can look at any recent team that's won with defense. It was hard to get back to that spot. The Bears, the Jaguars, I'm sure they're up. The, the Broncos when they won the Super Bowl in 2015. So you got to strike while the iron's hot, and I think it's hot right now. And you, there just so happens to be an elite quarterback out there on the trade market. I was going to say, I mean, optically, I know it sucked for Houston to basically trade, you know, the console picks and their own pick for Deshaun but I mean like you know getting in return for Deshaun and I get it and there's obviously gonna be some bad optics if the Seahawks move on Russell Wilson and like you know the Jets were interested it's like I'll take our picks back but at the end of the day you still have to do what's best for your football team and if the Texans get to a and a bunch of picks and can build you know they take Penny Sewell and that 18 they take Bateman or something like all of a sudden now you're like oh that's pretty interesting they've got two franchise tackles and good weapons and they've coaxed all these guys. Like, I don't think they're ears down on Houston. And then from a Miami perspective, I don't know. I, that defense is really, really good. And I don't know Devontae Parker is not elite, but he's a good weapon. Gasecki might not be an elite tight end again, but he's a good weapon. And Deshaun, like you mentioned, you know, we mentioned before, you don't have to rehash it, but he's going to make everyone better. And as a Jets fan, I do not want to have to play – Josh Allen and Deshaun four times a year for the next decade on top of Bill Belichick twice a year. I think that's a disaster. And I think if you're Houston, like, I don't think you can go into this season without a new quarterback that fans can latch on to. Like, the best – like, you're not fixing Deshaun's situation. Instead of, like, holding him hostage, why don't you reassess how it got to this point? Try to fix that part of your franchise, which is pretty clear how you fix that. But – if you give Texans fans a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields that they could cheer for this season, they'll be interested. Every team loves a young quarterback. A young quarterback reinvigorates any fan base. So that would be my goal if I was the Texans. Just trade for another quarterback and bring in a young guy and let fans have hope. Yeah, I agree. And I just think optically to get the second best quarterback in the draft or whoever it is would be great for Houston. All things considered, obviously, you lose the trade no matter what, right? Because right. You're gonna, at best, you're getting Deshaun. Like, that's <laughs> if Zach Wilson hits, you're getting Deshaun or some version of him. Um, but I, I just – I do think – and we'll, we'll wrap up with this, but I think the Jets – you go – I just – you know day one, if you have Deshaun, you're in such a better situation. And I think you have a new head coach. You have a GM that's young but is – First draft class looks really good. He looked like he didn't spend last year when everyone was spending to try to go for it, and he knew the roster stunk. And now they have money when no one else does. They have a ton of picks. He got two ones and a three and a starter for Jamal Adams. 
he's a linebacker. So I, I just, I think you got to go for it. Because think about it, you get fans back in the building, you roll out Robert Sala's new defense and the Shanahan offense with Deshaun, fans are pumped in a 17-game season with an easier schedule. You know, that additional game they might get a Philly, is a, it's another plus. You have to capitalize when you have the chance. Especially after the letdown of not getting Trevor Lawrence and missing out on him when it looked for, what, three and a half months like he was basically the Jets' possession in, in their possession already. I think the only way to top that is by getting Deshaun Watson, who I would – like, if I'm the Jaguars, I would trade the first pick for Deshaun Watson, but that's another discussion. I was going to say, well, the, the ultimate that trade would be, I mean, like, in terms of uh, ultimate roller coasters, Urban falls in love with Zach Wilson and takes him one, and then the Jets and several ones in two. That would be incredibly entertaining, in my opinion. That's the dream. But, you yeah, know, we, uh, you know, it's, there's obviously a lot going on, and, you know, can, make sure you, you know, follow Steven and, um, you know, make sure to you know check out the podcast of Charles McDonald's really entertaining. Um, but I think you guys will you know really enjoy it and make sure to you know look at some of Steven's stuff on for the win. Um, and it'll kind of keep you uh, you know, hopefully have some better news. Maybe you know, come uh, come the summer, we'll have you back on and we'll talk <laughs> about, you know who that next quarterback's going to be. And hopefully, he's wearing number four. It, yeah, if they end up with Deshaun Watson, we'll have a lot more nice things to say about the Jets this summer. We'll, we'll, we'll do a nice uh, in-depth breakdown on how it won the MVP, and I'll put in a future bet on them <laughs> to win. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, no, thanks, uh, thanks, you know, Stephen, for coming on, and um, you know, make sure this will, you know, make sure to check out this, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll have this dropping uh, this week. All right, thanks.